Welcome to the Roz Project. And you know, on this podcast, you will learn how to thrive and grow in every aspect of life, family, entrepreneurship, personal development, tech, and marketing using real, raw, and 100% no bullshit proven tactics. My name is Ivan Tomokov, and I'm your host. And ladies and gentlemen, today on the podcast, I am joined by Alexis Hasselberger. Hello, Alexis. How are you? Hi, Ivan. How are you? So good to have to be on the show and talk to you today. Awesome. Awesome. So before we, we jump into uh, the conversation, uh, I want to introduce you to listeners and viewers and tell them a little bit about your background. So you are a time management and productivity coach who helps people do more and stress less through coaching workshops and online courses. Your pragmatic yet fun approach helps people easily integrate practical, realistic strategies into their lives so they can do more of what they want and less of what they don't want. I mean, God forbid, we need more of that. Uh, Alexis has taught thousands of individuals to take control of their time, and her clients include Google, Lyft, Workday, Capital One, Upwork, and more. So before we talk about these clients and how you got to doing what you're doing today, Let's take this kind of way back and let's talk a little bit about your story. Can you share a little bit about your background, upbringing, where you've been, what you've seen? And let's just face it, you didn't just wake up one day and say, you know what, I'm going to help people with stress management, take control over their lives. So let's talk about that. Yeah. How far back you want me to go? Oh, I don't know. Let's, I mean, let's start with childhood. You know, let's talk a little bit about childhood and let's talk about, you know, upbringing and, and, you know, was there any signs, I guess, earlier on of, you know, uh, entrepreneurial interest? Um, so interestingly, no, but so the upbringing, I, uh, I grew up outside of Seattle, Washington, the child of two government lifers, you know, worked for the EPA and the FAA, like mm-hmm. very kind of, you know, upper middle class, just normal childhood. Um, I, I never, I never thought about entrepreneurship, honestly, until I started until like a few months before I started my business. Um, but there were definitely signs of like what I would end up doing. Like I was the kind of kid who would grab the graph paper and the TV guide and like make a cross-reference schedule for the week of like, what was the absolute <laughs> best bang for my buck half hour of TV that I was allowed to watch. (laughs) And so I was always like a kid who was like, how can I get maximum ROI on my time? Yeah. Um, Yeah. And I I think like that, that continued into high school. We're still in the the child zone. Like I was the kind of kid in high school and college who was like, okay, my goal, get straight A's, go to class as little as possible. How am I going to figure out how to do that? So I was like always (laughs) trying to scheme and like, make deals with teachers and like, like all sorts of things, trying to figure out how like I could be awesome, but with the least amount of stress and effort humanly possible. Where's the shortcut, right? How can I get the biggest ROI with the, the quickest shortcut, so to speak? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember in college, I had, you know, one of those classes where it's like a big lecture class, but then you Mm -hmm. have these like small little group classes and we just have to go and we'd have to do sit there for an hour and then take a little quiz. And so at one point I was like to the TA, I was like, how about we just take the quiz at the beginning mm-hmm. of the class? Everybody who gets hundred percent can leave. And he was like, fine, whatever. And then I proceeded to get hundred percent on every quiz for the rest of the year yeah. so that I did not have to sit through that class anymore. You know? 
So yeah, so yeah, from there, um, I worked all the way through college. Like I worked, you know, I worked full time through college um, and paid for most of it myself. And so I had to, you know, had to really figure yeah. out how am I going to take a full class load? Like, you know, graduated in three and a half years, took full class loads, worked sure. full time, that kind of stuff. Uh, and then I figured, and then I moved to San Francisco on a whim <laughs> from New York after, you know, after about a year of being out of college, I moved there, got into the startup world and was okay. doing kind of like, uh, like started as like office manager, admin, HR, operations, basically all the stuff in a startup that isn't sales or engineering. Interesting. Like that so was, that was all the stuff I did. There, there was two things I actually wanted to point out real quick, yeah. because I don't know if you recognize this, but um, earlier on when you were talking about, <laughs> when I left, when you were talking about uh, trying to figure out how to maximize ROI and with the least amount of effort, so to speak, right? Yeah. I, I, th I think earlier on, whether you recognize this or not, I think you had a heavy interest into figuring out how to leverage your time. You just didn't really know like how to do it then. Cause let's face it. I mean, when you're really young, like stuff doesn't really click the way it does when you get older. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think you're not, I think like we're not using words like leverage when we're 15, you know, right. we're, like, we're right. like, how can I just like have more time to hang out with my friends and right. still get the straight A's that will keep my parents off my back, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then you said the other thing I wanted to mention is when you said you worked full time during college is I think that was a really good experience to uh, learn about work ethic and really understand like how hard it is to actually, you know, be able to multitask two things. So going to school and then being able to work and being able to pay for it, because I'm a firm believer that unless you really work hard for something, you can't truly appreciate it. So there's not that level of appreciation if you were given something because you can't truly appreciate the value of it because you didn't work for it. You were given. So while mm -hmm. you might have appreciation, it's a different kind of appreciation as if, so, so you paying for your own school, you were, you were more enticed to attend class because you were paying for it as opposed yeah. to if you were, had a loan out or something for it. Yeah. And I, I mean, that's why I graduated early too, is because I learned that summer classes were cheaper. Yeah. Right? And that you would get the same number of credits for them. And not to say my, like my parents definitely helped me out. They, sure. they, you know, they had a, we each, each of the kids got our own equal share of what it was going to cover, but it covered like, you know, I, I think like about a third of what my, the cost yeah. of my college was. So yeah. I don't, I don't want to suggest that I was given nothing either because I yeah. certainly, certainly had some privilege there. So you kind of took a, a plunge into moving into San Francisco when you said, get, and San Fran is, you know, is a mecca of startups, you know, so that's, that's an ideal, you know, environment to be in, but it was, it was a huge leap, you know, to, you know, moving foreign territory, don't know anybody. So what, what, what was that like? I mean, what, what, what was going through your mind? I mean, you know, how, how did you approach it? Well, I think I'd already done it once when I moved from outside of Seattle to New York to go to college. Oh. I didn't know anybody there. And so that, I, and I mean, I think when I was 18, it was just like, get a bit far away from home as you possibly can, right? Like, <laughs> like go away. Um, and then, you know, it was really like, it was the whim that we take when we're 22 years old, right? Like I, I moved, I decided I wanted to leave New York because I felt like I was, I'm just not competitive enough 
to make it in New York. Like I, there was always going to be somebody that was going to be willing to do my job for like less mm-hmm. money and no benefits, you know, cause they had a trust <clears throat> fund or whatever. And so I just felt like I was never going to make it there in a way that felt doable for me to have like a good quality of life. And so I moved across the country and went to stay with my parents for a couple of months, just trying to figure out what I was going to do. Um, I thought I was going to move to Portland, Oregon. And so I like applied for all these jobs in Portland. And after I had been offered like the third job in Portland and reject, found some reason to reject it, I was like, Mm -hmm. "Hmm, ding, 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 maybe I don't want to move to Portland. (laughs) Right. Right. And then I just put my, uh, this is actually kind of a crazy story. I put my resume on Craigslist, San Francisco. And 24 hours later, an attorney called me and said, my assistant just quit and I have an extra room in my house. Do you want to come live here and work here while I find an assistant and you find a job in a house? And I said, let me check your references (laughs) to make sure you're not insane. Right. And, (laughs) And then I moved to San Francisco 48 hours later after like putting it up on Craigslist. And so, I mean, I think this is the old thing. These are the kinds of things you can do when you're 22 and unattached, right? That, that's a really good point, actually. But, you know, uh, I think you paid your due diligence in checking references because I think, you know, a 22-year-old is so hungry and and a lot of 22-year-olds. 20, I love the fact that 22-year-olds are fearless also, but, you know, you, you've got to be also cordial in your pursuit, <laughs> hands yes. checking references to be like, you know, am I, am I about to move in with a maniac or something, right. you know, because right. I mean, let's face it, you don't know this person, this is your first interaction. So like pay your due diligence because, you know, you don't, you don't want to end up where you, where you don't want to be. <laughs> so yeah. you moved to San Fran and you got into the startup world. What happened next? So then I, I, you know, I think I got a job about six weeks later, moved to, you know, some shared apartment um, mm-hmm. in the hate and, and was working at a startup doing like office management stuff and kind of, you know, all the stuff that comes with that. Um, I ended up meeting my husband at that job. So within like, you know, a six month period, I, I had a new city, a new life. Like I'd moved in with this guy who now I've been with for 16 years, wow. um, but you know, like a, a lot of changes at that time. And, you know, I, I worked at a startup for, I think, like three or four years, and then I moved on to the next startup, and mm-hmm. then I moved on to a company that consulted for startups, <laughs> uh, you know, we're doing HR and, um, you know, HR and, and payroll and benefits outsourcing and things. And I kind of, you know, as I had been doing this kind of administrative work, I really was starting to take on like legal and operations and facility, sure. like just all the other stuff. And so, um, so I worked there and then I, I work, I was chief of staff for a professional soccer team in San Francisco for a few years. And then I started my own company. So that's the very quick, uh, the, the last okay. years in, in, I don't know, two seconds. Well, um, I think, you know, kind of segueing into where you are today is just that I think, you know, there were a lot of signs earlier on into what was about to unfold and develop. But like you said, you know, when you're 15, you know, you just, you know, I, I, I remember when I was a kid and they were asking me what I wanted to be to grow up. And honestly, I didn't know. <laughs> and I thought it was the, the only stupid kid who didn't know what he wanted to be when he grew up. Cause I think I just had so many interests, you know, I was so much uncertainty. So I guess, you know, when you're, let alone when you're, when you're a teenager, I mean, you just don't know, you know, it just like, you don't know what direction you're going to go. So, 
after being in the startup world, you know, experienced a lot of different things, you know, you saw a lot of different things. And, and so how did the, the whole productivity coach and, and time management coach actually kind of came about? I mean, did you just decide, okay, I've got enough startup experience, you know, was there like a passion somewhere that, you know, you knew about? Yeah. I mean, I think that's kind of the part I skipped over there. Right. Which is like, I think along the whole way, you know, I, I was always like, I was still always trying to figure out how do I get, how do I be excellent at work? But also Mm -hmm. like, I want to completely disconnect. Like I don't want to answer my, I have never once answered email on a vacation in the entire 20 years (laughs) that I have been working. Right. Like I never want to do that. And so I was always pretty good around boundaries and I was really good at systems. Like I was always trying to figure out like, how do I optimize this? How do I automate it? How do I systematize it? Because I hate doing the same thing twice. Right. Yeah. Like if there's a way to automate it, I want to automate it. I want to create systems. So even at like that very first startup, I remember like we were, you know, doing I was I was doing the customer service too, because you know, like I was doing everything that wasn't sales or engineering, basically. And I was like, okay, like we need to start writing templates for all of this because we're getting the same questions over and over again. Yeah. You know, like yeah. we need to have an, an engine, like a customer service engine for this stuff. Or, you know, other companies where I'd like put processes and streamline things. And so I think it it became a thing that I sought out because it made my life easier. And it also became something that I kind of became known for with the people that I worked for because I was I also had a lot of, you know, work-life balance as a charged term, but like, I didn't work on weekends. I didn't answer mm-hmm. email on the evenings and I still was more productive than most of the people around. Right. Uh, and so yeah. it became obvious that there was something going on there and then people started to come to me for that. And then, you know, I remember at the last job that I had, I think probably the, the thing that might've spurned me thinking, oh, maybe I could do this you know, just this piece is that my boss was like, oh, could you think you could like do a productivity workshop for our team too about like all the things, just basically like take all the things you already do and teach everybody else how to do that stuff. And I think I was like, tick, 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 tick. Oh yes. Like these things are the things that I like to nerd out about. Like I really geek out about this stuff because like I want to find, you know, I had a couple kids along the way too, right? And like I needed to find ways to do things yep. and, you know, even faster and more efficient. And so I realized that like one, it was the thing that I really enjoyed. It was a piece of everything I'd been doing that yeah. I really enjoyed. And two, it was the thing that seemed to be the most impactful for other people. Like a lot of people can like do your benefits paperwork, you know? Yeah. Um, but they're not thinking necessarily about how to how do we streamline everything. So yeah. No, it's uh, so as you were talking about the productivity aspect is, you know, I think as an entrepreneur personally, (laughs) I've learned this the hard way is just that's very much like you father and husband too, is that especially when my kids arrived, so my son is five and uh, my daughter's going to be three in June, like I I had to figure out, all right, like I can't, you know, 10 hours, 10 hour days is fun for me because I'm passionate for what I do. Let's just face it. The wife really dislikes that. Like, you know, <laughs> tapping into evening time and, and, and family time, especially weekends, you know, it's just not feasible. But set that aside for a second because th- they're my why of why I do everything. But let's face it, you got to have a checks and balances system. You know, you got to have processes and procedures of how you do things because that is how you can be more productive, that how it can be more effective and more efficient. And I, I mean, I know you've been, you know, in the entrepreneurial space for long enough, but what is it that you hear from successful people? That's exactly what they talk about is, is productivity 
efficiency. And it might sound ludicrous that, okay, how can I work, you know, four days out of the week, right? Or even three days out of the week. And maybe if I put in, you know, three 10 hour days and, but I'm just very, very structured to the T of what I need, I need to get done. And I think that at least for me, I know when I, when I started my entrepreneurial journey was that I would just get so immersed into it because I was just so passionate. And then I would realize like, okay, well, I spent probably two hours today just dozing off literally like, you know, just clicking around or you know, I don't know, maybe looking at email or like, so, so to your point is, you know, let's talk about that. So how do you, when you work with people about, mm-hmm. you know, improving their, their productivity, what are some things that you commonly see that entrepreneurs specifically struggle with? Yeah. I mean, I think entrepreneurs are an interesting bunch too, because they tend to have mm-hmm. more control over their actual schedule and time, which sometimes is harder right? It's like, like, I've seen this a lot where it's like somebody will go from having a job where they knew exactly what they needed. Like they had a set of things and somebody else was telling them what to do. And now they're an entrepreneur and it's all up to them. And, you know, sometimes there's accountability issues, right? Or sometimes it's just like, you're not like now you have to set the goals and break them down and figure out when to do the work to make it happen and be responsive to other people. And I think with entrepreneurs too, it's like, you know, when we're at the beginning of something, you're doing all the things. Like there's nobody else to do any of the things because you have no money, right? Like you can't, you can't outsource anything yet because you have no money, right? Uh, And so I think there's, there's also just like this overwhelm that comes with like, I know I have to do all the things and there's too many things to do. And I think that's like, that piece of it is, is really important because like, there are always going to be too many things to do. Like, yeah. Every single day, there are going to be too many things to do. We are never going to finish our, no matter how efficient we become, we are never going to finish our task list. We could work until midnight every single night for the rest of our lives, and we would yeah. never finish everything because we're ambitious people who have a lot of things that we want to do, right? And so I yep. think that mindset, like coming to grips with that mindset of like, it is not possible for you to do all the things. So instead, we have to learn how to prioritize so that what we can say every day, what we did say was more important than what we didn't do. You know, and yeah. Well, one yeah. thing I wanted to say real quick is um, when, when you said that, I might butcher this, so correct me, is when you said, we will never sort of speak reach inbox, inbox zero. Because I shit you now, when I tell people that I have 95,000 emails on my phone, they're like, well, what? You got 95,000, like, you mean you haven't answered 95,000 emails? It's like, no, that's me archiving shit. (laughs) And that's why it's showing up on my phone like that. But there's also a lot of emails that are still unanswered. And I think it's that part of our human deficiency because, and it has to do with attention span as well, because, you know, it's like as an entrepreneur, like you said, you wear 10 different hats, 20 different hats Mm -hmm. when you start out right? I've been there, done that. It's like, you're doing your own accounting, you're doing your own marketing, (laughs) you know, you're doing implementation, you're doing everything, right? So you tend to forget. Yeah. So it's interesting. I actually don't, I think like I would have a different spin on it. I don't think inbox zero is impossible. I'm at inbox zero. Like I I always have been inbox zero. Like, (laughs) I don't think that's impossible. What I think is, but I don't reach inbox zero by doing every single one of the things that everybody asks me to do, right? Mm. And so I think the difference is like, I I think of inbox and, you know, Slack and all of this thing. These are like funnels 
into your engine, right? Yeah. And then your engine, your systems need to be able to say like, have, have a way to plan to say like, yep, this just gets archived without me responding. This one I actually do need to do and I'm gonna do it right now instead of like marking it as read and unread 50 times before we actually get around <laughs> to doing it. Um, and then this one over here, like it has to be done, but not by me. So I'm gonna delegate it. And this one, you know, it has to be done but it's not gonna be done till next week. So I'm gonna plan for that. So I actually think that having systems in place that allow us to like, like I think we can be at like triage zero, right? You know, yeah. like we can get through all the stuff. And I think that's actually like a huge part of what I teach people is like, mm -hmm. how do we take all the incoming and filter out all of the noise so yeah. that we are clear that we're answering the right emails, not the one that's at the top of our inbox. That's an excellent point, uh, Alexis. And, and this is actually in part why I wanted to, largely in part why I wanted you to come on the podcast is because it's that perspective and that you share that's really a game changer for entrepreneurs specifically because perspective is such an essential component, you know, in, in the entrepreneurial as an entrepreneur, as a business owner specifically, because uh, I think it's a part of that lifelong learner mentality that I personally embrace because I have all people know that, okay, I've been doing marketing 25 years, but you know what? There's something new I learn every day. And you got to have that optimistic mindset to know that, well, Alexis is going to teach me about productivity. Alexis is going to, you know, talk about how I can become more efficient. And guess what? Those 95,000 emails that are lingering around, I could probably remove them so people don't think I'm fucking crazy. And I've got 95,000, <laughs> you know, notifications on my phone because they do. They look at my phone and my wife's even like, how in the world do you have 95,000 emails? You know what I mean? But that's just it is that, you know, I think what you talked about is extremely important to understand the perspective behind that, that you can reach your goals, but you got to have, you know, those those checks and balances uh, in place. Now, one thing that I specifically actually wanted to dive in even deeper when we're, we're talking about that, because there's a couple other things that I want to touch upon is one thing that you had mentioned is that, you know, waking up is the hardest part of the day uh, for your day. Uh, and people, people, I think, often think that people who are really into productivity are early risers. So let's debunk the myth around early risers. <laughs> yes, let's let's debunk the myth. There are so many night owls out there feeling mm -hmm. bad about themselves because they can't make themselves wake up at six a.m. Right? <laughs> Don't try. Like you're, like. Uh, like I tell you, waking up has been the hardest part of my day since I was five years old. Like since I had to yeah. start waking up, right? I had to start going to school. And it's still that way. Like I, I'm sure my husband hates it because I'm one of those people that like sets the alarm for an hour earlier than I need to get up and then snoozes it every five minutes until like the absolute last possible second that I could humanly get like my teeth brushed and then get to my, you know, get to my computer here. And it's just like, we are built differently. Like everyone has a different chronotype, right? Yeah. The people who are like up and cheery in the morning, lucky them because the world is built for them. But yeah. it's not like, like those people, I think that the thing we failed to, is like those truly morning people, they are not struggling to wake up in the morning. Like their bodies wake up in the morning at that time. Right. And so yeah. to think as like a night person who's probably like, I don't know, you're probably like me where it's like, are you getting like a second wind around 10 PM? You know, it's, well, I, I'm glad that I brought this up because I do. And, and that's just it is that as we're talking about this, is this that, so I had this mentality early on that, okay, if I, if I train myself to be an early riser 
there's there's a higher prob- probability I'll be more successful. So what I so because for me is I'm the one that gets my kids ready in the morning for daycare. Mm-hmm. So, but the night before, I do get a second wind for one because the nutrition plan that I'm on, I eat late also mm-hmm. as my last meal to give me that extra energy boost into the following day because I also fast. So I'm fasting mm-hmm. after 10 o'clock until, you know, nine o'clock in the morning the following day, which is when I have my black coffee. But yes, I do get that second wind and I usually don't go to bed until like midnight and sometimes later. So there's no fucking way that I'm going to be up at 6 a.m. Yeah, Six hours yeah. of sleep is not enough, but you know, and I've heard this over and over and over. So I'm glad that me and you see an eye to eye because, you know, all the successful people that I follow on social media, they all talk about being an early riser and 4 a.m. They're running 10 miles. And I'm like, yeah. I don't even have a 4 a.m. on my alarm. <laughs> no, I say screw that. Like those people, like they make it sound easy, right? Yeah. Because they're like, oh, I just do this, right? And and there are, I mean, I think I can't remember what the stats are from Daniel Pink's when book, right? But it's yeah. like, there's like some small portion that are early, early morning people. There's a, a larger portion that are night people that are morning people. And then there's a bunch that are kind of in between, right? And what I've found, and this is actually when I coach people and I work with people, this comes like, this is, we start with this, which is let's know yourself better yeah. exactly as you are. Because what we all know is that it's possible to bend ourselves for a short period of time right? But we snap back to who we are. So it's better to build systems around who we actually are that support who we are naturally than it is to kind of like shove ourselves into this box. And I feel the same thing. Like my kids are 10 and 12 now, so I don't have to worry. I mean, they still are not great at getting up either. I have one that really (laughs) falls after me, but uh, I try to be really empathetic because I I know it. Um, But, you know, I also had for many years, I had to get up at 7am, like get them to daycare, get them to school. As soon as I didn't have to do that anymore, I snapped immediately back and I felt better. Right. And I think it's then saying like, well, how are you going to use that time? So if you have, like, for me, it's like, I do get a second wind at like 10, 10 30 every night. And I just, I just use that time for reading. Right. Like I, you know, I I read a lot and I love reading and it's not necessarily Mm -hmm. something I have time to do like in the middle of a work day. And so I'll do that at night. Right. Um, So I think it's all about, you know, we don't have to, like, I think the people too, now you've got me on a rant. I think the people too, who like talk about early mornings, they're all yeah. like about their morning routines and like they do all the exercise and they meditate and they do their morning pages and they do all of this stuff. And it's not that none of that stuff's important, but it doesn't have to be done in the morning. Like yeah. it can be done when it makes sense for you. And I think that like, if we can do anything with this podcast to dispel the guilt that people have around not being able to wake up in the morning, let's do that. I, I agree. And, and, and I don't mind rants at all, actually, because you read my mind earlier. Like you said, uh, you can you can train your body to do something. You know, if, you, if I wanted to wake up early, I could because I actually uh, was kind of going through this experimental phase. That's probably the best way to put it, where I'd be like, OK, I'm going to try to get to bed by 10 o'clock at night and see what happens, because we're also trying to to my son is pre-K. So we're all, I'm like, dude, we're going to have to be at school by 8 a.m. probably come the mm-hmm. fall. So I got to figure out how to get your ass up because right now we can't leave the house until 930 and that's too late, you know. And so but but this experimental phase that I went through is exactly what you just talked about is just that I, I wanted to test my body to see if I was capable 
of actually mm-hmm. waking up early because I was never an early riser. Never. I hated it. In fact, the earliest I'll get up is probably 8 a.m. And that's on, on weekdays because I have my alarm set, you know. <laughs> so but when I did this experimental phase, yes, I temporarily trained myself because I kind of started to slowly fall into this habit of, OK, if I go to bed by this by this time and some most nights I struggle because, like I said, I do get that second win. Or even if I go to the gym on the days I go to the gym, which is usually like early evening. Oh, I definitely have a second win because, you know, that energy level is just like bursting like crazy. That's when my creativity and productivity really kicks into gear. So, yes, you can do it. Like you said, you read my mind. It is doable, but it's not your natural state. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. you're not, you're not, and I don't want to force myself to do something that I know that I cannot fully embrace and naturally do, which I think that is what a lot of people do. They try to force themselves to do something that they know that does not have longevity from a realistic mm-hmm. standpoint. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. And I think that, you know, it's, it's interesting, right? Because we also have to talk about privilege, which is that like mm-hmm. a lot of people don't have the option. Right. Yep. And like, we're sitting here as entrepreneurs talking about how we get to move our schedules, how we want to. And like the only thing that interferes <laughs> is school. Right. And I feel you because I'm right there and I am, I'm looking forward to my kids being in school again, but um, I'm not yeah. looking forward to waking up earlier than eight 30, which is when my alarm goes off, <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. And so, um, you know, I think that, you know, we want to think about it from a perspective of like, if you do have the ability, yeah. then you, then why not? modulate your schedule to match what you naturally need and, and what works for your family and all of that. And if you don't have that ability, because like you're a security guard working night shifts or whatever, then like your body can do it for that period of time. Right. And so I think it's like, but, but I agree with you. It's like, we don't do like, why are we going to do the hard things that don't serve us? Like let's do hard things that actually serve us instead of hard things that don't actually serve us. Well, that's a really good point. And I think, uh, you know, the other thing is just that when you become an entrepreneur, you know, in essence, you know, your own boss is just that isn't that one of the perks is to to pave your own path? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, if not you, then who else? So, like, right. why would you listen to you? And that's just said is that I think, you know, too many entrepreneurs kind of get immersed into the whole hustle and bustle of entrepreneurship and rah, rah, rah and all this that they really forget that look, and part of entrepreneurship is flexibility. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you have the power to do that. So if you want to wake up late, wake up late. If you want to wake up early, wake up early. Because at the end of the day, you either reap the rewards of your actions or suffer the consequences of your bad choices, right? Mm -hmm. And with that, actually, I want to segue more into stress because, you know, I think I think it was Chris Brogan that was actually talking about this because he's a huge advocate for for stress and and you know, stress is essential in entrepreneurship. In fact, the st- stress is much higher in entrepreneurship because now you suddenly are the captain of the ship. <laughs> and if you don't steer the ship in the right direction, then you're going to crash in the rocks, so mm-hmm. to speak. So let's talk about, you know, when you work with, with different brands and, you know, it's amazing, by the way, congrats on, you know, Google and Lyft and Capital One and Upwork. I mean, these are, you know, globally renowned brands that, you know, you've had the privilege to work with. So let's talk about from a stress perspective, like how can entrepreneurs remove stress and still remain productive and enjoy the things that they do? Yeah. Yeah. So I think that like, this is my philosophy is that we can do things that make us more productive 
and reduce stress at the same time. And that often the strategies that we use actually do both, right? So it's not that one is at the expense of the other. It's not like we have less stress because mm -hmm. we're just doing less things. It's that we actually have systems and processes in place. And so I think, you know, a couple of things that I would say just right off the bat that people can do is turn off all the notifications all of them. Turn off all the notifications for email, turn off all the notifications for Slack, especially if you're an entrepreneur <laughs> and nobody, you know, there's nobody else. You're the one who's in charge. Just as you said, you get to make the rules, right? Yeah. Turn off all of the notifications, of course, for like games and social and all of this, right? Because this stuff is just a huge source of stress and it's a huge productivity killer because what I'm not sure if you're aware of the study that was done out of UC Irvine uh, several years ago, but basically it showed that anytime we get distracted or interrupted, like just a ping on our phone or mm -hmm. our own brain going to check our email because we're conditioned to do that or whatever, uh, that it takes us on average 23 minutes, not seconds to refocus 23 minutes oh, wow. every time. And so if you imagine every ping coming in on your phone as like 23 minutes of your day going poof, 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 like that's, and, and also it's stressful, right? Because you're trying to work on something. You're trying to get something done. Yep. And you see like this thing coming in and notifications are neutral in that like a Slack notification for like the building's on fire and a Slack notification for like, <laughs> yay, that's a cute dog or whatever. It's the same, right? It's the same notification. Um, and so first start there. Yeah. Like, turn it all off. I don't know. What about you? Do you have notifications on your phone? <laughs> well, I was about to say, well, shit, I've been doing it all wrong because I was just doing the math. You said for every one notification based on the study, it takes you 23 minutes to refocus. Well, fuck, I get so many notifications in the course of a day. It's probably hundreds, honestly. Mm -hmm. And so when I think of it, it's like, did I just lose half my day? Because mm -hmm. I, had, yes. I had to literally spend four hours. Well, four hours is probably way too optimistic because I probably really only work about six realistically mm -hmm. from the yeah. time that I drop off my kids because I have a home office to the yeah. time I have to pick them up. So that's like 10 to four, maybe 10 yeah. to five, like like today because I'm on Central Standard Time. So maybe getting about an extra hour there. Right. But I'm, I'm spending half the day refocusing and mm -hmm. when I look at, you know, your, your, uh, what is it? Um, usage time, uh, yeah. on iOS that says like, yeah, yeah. here's how much you spend. I'm like, shit, I mean, like you're spending hours on social per day. And it's like, as a marketer and someone who spends a valiant amount of time on my personal brand, it's like, Alexis, is it realistic for me to like actually turn off notifications? Yeah. Like, is that feasible? Yes. You want to, so here's the thing. It's not that turning off notifications means that you are not going to check email, check all those social channels mm -hmm. and all that stuff. It's just that you want to do it on your own terms. Like you mm -hmm. want to do it proactively instead of reactively because guaranteed no one is thinking, hmm, am I going to be interrupting Ivan when I send him this uh, email right now? Hmm, when I like this social post, am I going to be interrupting him? Like nobody is thinking about that, no. but that's what's happening, right? And so I really advocate for batch processing, all of that stuff. So like with email, like how am I at inbox zero most of the time? Because like I go in there three times a day and I process everything down. Like I don't check email during other times. And the reality is if it's an emergency, like if it's a mm -hmm. true emergency, they will hunt you down and find you. Like nobody relies on email, Slack or social media in an emergency. You know, as you're talking about all these hacks to become more uh, productive and stress-free also, 
it, it something went off in my head that made me realize that I think as we get older, uh, especially as, as entrepreneurs, the more we're in the game and the more we practice these things, I think that's when we really truly fall into the realization that, you know, it, it practice makes perfect, as they say, and repetition. So after you do it for mm -hmm. so long, I mean, you sort of embrace it, right? Like I think um, a friend of mine told me this uh, and he said, it takes 21 days to build a good habit and it, it can literally take a fraction of a second to ditch it completely because it's always easier to <laughs> go towards the dark side than embrace a, a good habit. And so uh, that's kind of what I'm hearing you say, basically, is this that you kind of have to build that repetition, right, mm -hmm. to do all these things and kind of almost like a checklist style. And it's like, am I doing this? Am I doing this? And do it every day and every day. I almost do it for like 21 days to actually like fully, fully immerse yourself in it, right? And I would say more because that stat about the 21 days to build a habit is from like one tiny study and actually more recent studies have shown that it takes between 19 days and nine months to build a habit with wow. the average, the average is 66 days to build a habit of concerted effort. And so it's it. So yes. And even more so, um, okay. and, and also like, you're going to backslide. So I think a lot of times people feel like they're going to, they're starting a habit. And if like by week one, it's not done and they're not just automatically doing it, that they failed somehow, but like, you got to yeah. cut yourself more slack. Like you got like, in order to build a habit, it has to get to that point where like, you don't feel proud of yourself for doing it every day, but you feel bad when you miss it, you know, <laughs> like, like, yeah, you know, it, like, it's brushing your teeth. Right. Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. I mean, that, that's literally what was going off in my head as you were just talking about. It. It's like, okay, like th that, that aspect of what you were talking about. So first of all, I'm looking at like nutrition and fitness and exercise and, and, and other things that I already do. And it's like, this is why I didn't fully embrace some things is because I thought they would take me, you know, couple of weeks to embrace this, but in reality it would take me two months, yeah. you know, to embrace it. And so again, it goes to show how current I am with, with research and statistics. Right. But that's actually kind of humbling. I think in a way it's a little bit assuring, I think I should say, yeah. you know, and, and probably for listeners and viewers as well, because I think it alleviates certain tension and realizing that, you know, you're, you're not failing. It's just, you're not, you're not doing things for long enough, you know, to become more productive and more stress-free because, and speaking of stress and why I wanted you to talk about this, let's face it, a lot of entrepreneurs have an immense amount of stress because yeah. especially when you're starting out and you're wearing those multiple hats and you're thinking about like, okay, like where, where's the next, you know, check coming from, or when am I getting paid? Cause you got to yeah. pay your bills, you know, you got to keep roof over your head. Right. And that's stressful enough, but how do you mitigate that right to where you don't or the, add the notifications on top? Now you got more stress or, you know, you get a text message from the wife or I don't know, you know, something happened to your kids at, at school. And it's like, oh, shit, now I got to do, you know, I got to shift my schedule around. So what you're saying is you really have to figure out how to be more effective on the things that matter to you, gain control 
by you said proactive, not reactive. That was really good. I like that because I think a lot of entrepreneurs are reactive because, and I see some value in playing defense, you know, because as they say, uh, strong defense is strong offense, so to speak. But in different aspects, I think, and in business and entrepreneurship specifically, is that you do need to be more proactive than reactive. But how do you find that happy balance mm-hmm. of doing that, right? Yeah. And I think a lot of it comes down to experimentation too, right? Because I think Mm -hmm. sometimes, especially with habits and things like that, we'll try something and we'll try it one specific way and that way won't work. And we won't think like, oh, how could I modify this just a little bit, right? How could I change this just a little bit to make it work better for me, right? So I'll give you, I'll give you an example of something that I have my clients do, which is end of day planning. So before the end of your workday, just plan for the next day, right? Like and, and, you know, I can go deep, more deeply into this, but basically it's like, look at your schedule, look at your task list, make a plan. What are you actually going to do? What are you going to accomplish? So that yeah. two things can happen. One, you can de- disconnect from work at the end of the day, knowing yeah. that you have a plan for tomorrow. You don't need to think about it all. And that you can come in the next day without that, like, 15 minutes where you sit at your computer with your coffee thinking like another day, what should I do now? Right. What should I do first? Right. And sometimes people will, you know, this, this is a habit that's hard to build because like we don't have time for planning and all of these things. Right. Um, Even though anytime you spend planning, it's valuable, I will say, but I think just to add that is just that I don't think entrepreneurs actually invest in the planning because they realize how much it's the longevity behind it. It's like you're planning for your future. Right. Because I think a lot of and I actually just did a social video on this is that I think a lot of entrepreneurs look for instant gratification specifically. Mm-hmm. So what you just said is planning is valuable. I believe in it. But how do you fully embrace that? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think you have to look at the results. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, did you get if you planned and you got done what you thought you were going to get done? Like that's positive result. If you didn't plan and you ended the day feeling like crap because you didn't get done what you wanted to get done. That was like sitting over, that was probably too much to get done anyways. Right. Yeah. Because if we're not looking at our calendar, we're not looking at how much time we have, then we have these way overly ambitious plans that, you know, become really hard to, to make happen. Right. Yeah. Um, but, but kind of my point there is right. Like maybe doing end of day planning, the last 15 minutes of your workday doesn't work for you because like you always just want to answer that one last email or whatever, maybe yeah. try it two hours before that, try it at 4 p.m. and see if when you have a little bit more breathing room in the afternoon, you feel like you're able to do like 10 minutes of planning, right? And so I think a lot of it is when we're building habits, we have to be open to being flexible and experimenting with them as well. You know, there was one one thing that you mentioned that that, that, that really has, has, well, it made me realize again is this why, like you said, uh, spending that last, I think you were talking about like spending the last 15 minutes of your day kind of planning of, you know, what your next day is going to be. And mm-hmm. immediately I thought, that's not me. That's not my natural state. I mean, mm-hmm. I, it's taken me, it's taken me a long time to adapt to like reminders and calendars also, because God knows I have them all over the place, but they help keep me structured in the project management system uh, mm-hmm. also. But it, it was a good investment to do that because it, it, it helps me uh, stay grounded, sort of speaking, knowing. But like you said, is also the flip side of that is being experimental as to like, how do, do I plan for the next day? Because I know in my head and even like what I've realized, actually, I mean, this is mind boggling is I'll be driving back from my kid's daycare back home to my home office. Usually it's every morning. And like, I'm like, OK, I need to do this. I need to do that. I need to do that. And I'm in the car. And I'm right. driving, right? So 
what I'm trying to do is segue into, okay, do I record a memo? Because I know I'll forget <laughs> five minutes from yeah. now, like, like yeah. it's structured in my brain. And I find out also that late at night, also, mm-hmm. I tend to get like the spur of, of amazing ideas, but like mm-hmm. capturing that information, like that's mm-hmm. the toughest part, because what I've realized that some of my best business ideas actually happen at night or when taking a shower, believe it or not. Yep. And the reason for that is because your mind is so calm. Mm-hmm. Like you almost have like this mind control that happens. It's weird in the weirdest times that it happens. It's either late at night when you're tired or you're taking a shower. Cause like maybe because you're kind of encapsulated into an environment that like it, it forces you to focus yeah. when you yeah. do like this creativity kind of immerses. But as you were talking about is like finding that happy balance between like, how do you experiment and how do you maintain your natural state? Because you don't want to force yourself to do things that you don't want to do. And correct me if I'm wrong, but that's where I think you mitigate stress also, right? Because stress arises from dissatisfaction uh, or, or something that's self-induced, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think like, this is a great, this is like the other thing that I was going to say for stress, right? Is we want to have, we want to get everything out of our brains because if you're using your brain to remember all the things that you have to do, it's super stressful and you're not making the right prioritization decisions because we can only do one thing at a time. Multitasking is not real. It's just really quick context switching. And so we can only do one thing at a time. It's really hard to prioritize when we've got this bunch of stuff. And also when we try to use our memory, we think about it at the wrong times, right? We're in the car, we're in the shower, we're, you know, I mean, I get all my best blog post ideas on a run, like every single time. And so yeah. I think having, you know, I, I help all my clients create what I call a single trusted system, which is <clears throat> one place where everything funnels into, right? So yeah. that if you're in the car and you have those thoughts, you, there's like one button on your phone where you can do a voice memo into your task app so that it gets captured there, right? Or in email, you have a, you know, the the add-on for Gmail that allows you to capture the email of whatever you need to do in your task app. Have one place that everything filters because if you can have a consistent practice to get that stuff out of your brain and into one place, then there is a lot of stress reduction. And when you're talking about like, well, that isn't my natural state, but I don't know, because I hear you saying my natural state is to want to capture these ideas that you're just not sure the best way to do it. Right. And so I think actually that most people do have that innate, they, they, we don't want to lose our best business ideas. Like we want to have those someplace. Um, And so then it's just about how do we do that? Right. And it's much easier to help people to create strategies around things they want to do. If we can get to what that baseline want is. Yeah. Um, I I know we could definitely keep chatting about (laughs) this, but in respect of time, uh, first I want to say thank you. I mean, that was amazing you know, everything that, that, that you shared. And it's, it, it's so true. I think as entrepreneurs is that we just, I know for me personally, sometimes I just need to kind of take two steps back and sort of play that observer role and be like, I could be doing more. And here's what I need to be doing to become better at, at the things, be more productive, more stress-free, which I know is going to correlate to all different facets, you know, of life and business. And so not just business, but also life and relationship and marriage and, you know, my relationship with my, my kids. So I want to thank you for sharing all that info. I mean, that was powerhouse of info. But before we sign off, please tell listeners, viewers, how can they connect with you? Throw out some handles, some website URLs, anything and everything. 
All right. Awesome. Well, people can find me um, at my website, which is alexishasselberger.com, which I will send you the link to because no one will be able to spell my last name. <laughs> and I'll also send you a link to a free download that people, and that's, that's, this is what I was like, the one type of notification you should have is for calendar appointments. <laughs> ah, yeah. <laughs> so that you don't miss them, which is what my next one is coming up. But uh, that was real talk there. So um, I will also have a download people can, uh, can grab, which is a distraction action plan to help yep. you figure out how to identify those distractors and remove them. And then people can get me on um, Facebook at do more stress less and Instagram at do.more.stress.less. Awesome. Alexis, I, I want to thank you again for coming on to jam with me. Uh, huge fan of productivity and, and becoming more stress-free. So uh, thank you so much for your time and uh, congratulations on all your success. Excited to see uh, where you go this year and also, you know, all, all the work and, and everything that you've accomplished thus far. Thank you.